And the great thing about Jesus Christ is that he doesn't say to you and to me, clean up your life and then come to me. Jesus says, come to me with your mess and I will take it upon myself and I will give you a brand new life. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the greatness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. This Sunday at Forward Church, we are officially kicking off our Christmas season. And today we're also beginning a brand new Christmas sermon series entitled Unwrapped, The Real Gifts of the Season. And today I'm going to talk specifically about the gifts you need to give to God. Now, when we think of Christmas and when we think of the Christmas season, usually we tend to think of the gifts that we are going to get or the gifts that God has given us. But I want to, in this part one of the Unwrapped Christmas Sermon Series, I want to speak about the gifts that we need to give to God. And so I want us to look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. So go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. Verse 11, and here is what the Word of God says, and it's talking about the three wise men or the magi that came and gave gifts to the newborn child, Jesus. And so here's what the text says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. Now, have you ever wondered why they gave them these gifts or what these gifts meant? There's actually a very significant spiritual meaning behind these three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. And the first gift that they gave him is gold. Now, gold is a precious metal. It's a very valuable commodity. And some historians and commentators say that the value of the gold that was given to Jesus may have very well financed Joseph and Mary's trip to Egypt and back. So there's a deep sense of understanding in this particular gift and the fact that often God gives us provision in ways we least expect it. Not only the fact that this gift of gold financed Joseph's Mary and Mary's trip to Egypt and back, but gold is also a symbol of divinity and it's mentioned throughout the Bible. And so the gift of gold to the Christ child was symbolic of his divinity because he was God in the flesh. Now, the second gift that the wise men gave to Jesus was frankincense. And frankincense is actually obtained from a tree by making incisions in the bark and allowing the gum to flow out of it. And so this is a highly fragrant when burnt, and it was therefore used in worship when it was burned as a pleasant offering to God. In addition, frankincense is a symbol of holiness and righteousness. The gift of frankincense to the Christ child was symbolic of his willingness 
to become a sacrifice, wholly giving himself up analogous to a burnt offering. Now, the third gift, myrrh, was a obtained from a tree in the same manner as a frankincense. It was a spice, and get this, it was used in embalming. It was also sometimes mingled with wine to form a drink. This was the drink that was given to Jesus when he was about to be crucified as sort of a stupefying portion. If you read in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, and Matthew 27, 34 refers to it as gall. So myrrh symbolizes bitterness, suffering, and affliction. And the baby Jesus would grow to suffer greatly as a man and would pay the ultimate price when he gave his life on the cross for all who would believe in him. So in essence, these three gifts, gold was a precious metal fit for a king. Frankincense was a perfume or an incense, as in Jesus willing to give himself up wholly and sacrificially. And myrrh was an anointing oil. So there you have it. This is the meaning of the three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. Now, I read about a story about a tradition that a pastor has in his family for more than 50 years. And here's basically what they did. They kept this tradition. They hold a birthday party for Jesus. And so this pastor, when he was three years old, he asked his mom, what is Christmas? And his mom told him, well, it's Jesus's birthday. And so with great, terrific three-year-old logic, this pastor said, well, if it's Jesus's birthday, we should have a birthday party. And so they did. They had a birthday cake. They sang him songs. They had candles. And in this pastor's family, they kept this tradition going for four generations. And the birthday party for Jesus became a sacred time when they read the Christmas story and they share it, what what they're grateful for. And it's it quickly became one of the most memorable things they do in Christmas. Now, I'm sure that your family has some sort of tradition for Christmas. In my family, Christmas is our favorite holiday. We love Christmas. And we love Christmas so much that before we even left for our trip, which was a few weeks ago, we already decorated our house for Christmas. My wife loves decorating. And so we decorated the house for Christmas long um, before even I think many of the stores began to think about decorating for Christmas. And the reason we do that is because we want Christmas to last a long time. I feel like every year it passes by so quickly. So we pretty much decorated the house for Christmas about a month and a half prior to Christmas even beginning, even more than that. And so that's pretty much what we do. Now, back to the text we read and back to the topic that I want to talk about, which is the gifts you need to give to God. And my big idea today is this, that it's not about what God gives you, but rather what you can give God. In other words, we need to understand that there are certain things that we need to give to God. And I think what often happens is Jesus gets completely shut out of Christmas. And imagine it this way. Imagine you're having a birthday party and you a bunch of people would come to your birthday party and they would give gifts to each other, but they would not give a gift to you. Think about it. You have a birthday party and everyone comes, but no one gives you any gifts. How would you feel? Well, that's Christmas. Everyone gets gifts except Jesus. Now you might want to say, why do you give, what do you give to the God who has 
everything. What kind of gift can you give to God? And the topic of my sermon today is the fact that there are gifts you need to give to God. You need to unwrap them and you need to give them to God. But you might say Jesus Christ has everything. I don't think he has everything. And I'm going to tell you today that there are four things that Jesus does not have that you need to give to him. And so as we kick off the Christmas season, I want us to think about these four things and I want us to give these things to Jesus. Number one, you need to give to Jesus your trust. Now, the Bible in Hebrews 11.6 says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. And faith is voluntary. Faith is not something that is coerced. Jesus doesn't have your trust unless you give it to him. He will never force it. It takes a step of faith. It takes a step of trust. And here's the thing, to trust in Jesus, you must trust in his timing. He wants your trust. I want to ask you a question. What part of your life right now are you not trusting Jesus in? Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it your spiritual state? Is it your situation with your family? Is it a situation with your job, with your career? Maybe it's a situation with finding your life purpose or not knowing what it is and being anxious about it. Maybe it's a problem you're having with another person. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. There is a particular sphere in your life right now where you have not trusted Jesus. That is where he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust in his timing. He wants you to trust in his provision. He wants you to trust in his sovereignty. Jesus ultimately wants you to give him your complete and wholehearted trust in every single situation that you're going through. And this is the thing. It's a voluntary thing. You have to step into that. And often your faith is activated when you begin to act. Motion turns into emotion. And the Bible does say that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so even though Christmas oftentimes might seem like the most wonderful time of the year, for many people, it can become the most lonely time of the year because whatever issues or problems or conflicts you might have been facing during the year, they're not going to diminish. They're actually going to be magnified during the Christmas season because you tend to think of them more often. And so I want you to think of the one or two or three places in your life where you don't trust Jesus. And I want you to consciously say, God, I trust you in that sphere of life. I trust you're going to take care of it. And that's the one of the greatest gifts that you can give to Jesus. This Christmas season is your trust, your full and utter trust. Now, the second gift that you can give to Jesus that he doesn't have yet is your first or your firsts. And Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 says this, you must not have any other God but me. It's crazy to think about what the holiday season has become. And I recently read an article that basically said that for the for many years, Christmas there has been a war on Christmas. People try to take Christ out of Christmas. People don't want to say Merry Christmas. They replace it with Happy Holidays. And basically, Christmas is becoming this whole marketing ploy to get you to buy stuff. Now, here's the thing. 
before we thought that there was a war on Christmas, but now Christmas is waging a war on us. What do I mean by that? Well, marketers and everybody else tries to get you to buy stuff now sooner and sooner and sooner. And here's the reason why. So we have these things as Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and no judgment if you participated in all of that stuff. But marketers are basically trying to say to us that, hey, if you don't buy something on the day after Thanksgiving, most likely you won't be able to afford gifts for your family, even though things are going to go on sale pretty much after Thanksgiving and after Christmas anyway. So the point is this, God desires that we give him our first, which is means our best or something that is most treasured to us and most valuable to us. And that's basically our time. Time is not expandable. Time doesn't pause. Time doesn't stretch. Time continues to go. And just a few days ago, it's crazy. I was driving by uh, Best Buy and there were people in tents lined up to buy things there. And the thing is, the people were lined up there, not like one day in advance, not a couple hours in a day and a couple hours in advance, but it was like multiple days in advance. So imagine like standing in line for up to 49 hours before Best Buy opens. It's crazy, but that's pretty much what our culture has created. And so when we understand the text that says you must not have any other God but me, we need to understand that if anything or anyone other than Jesus holds first place in your life, it's an idol. And so today, I'm encouraging you that this Christmas choose to make Jesus first in your life, first in your finances, first in your interests, first in your occupations, first in your passions, first in your relationships, first in your schedule, and first even in your troubles. Whatever trials, whatever troubles you're going through, make Jesus first in those things. And we must develop a habit or a discipline to desire Jesus's presence more than his presence. In essence, we need to get to the point where we crave Jesus's character and his excellency more than the gifts that he gives us. And oftentimes, people don't experience joy, don't experience calm, don't experience an overwhelming presence of Jesus or God in their life simply because they have not put God first in their life. And I'm going to make this declaration that the reason that even at this point, you're not experiencing joy, peace, or calm because Jesus is not first in your life. And until he is, your life will be chaos. We need to give Jesus our first from everything. And Often, I'm going to admit, it's hard to do. It's hard to give Jesus the best of our time, the best of our money, the best of our resources, the best of our energy. It's difficult because we tend to think that we can hold on to those things and it's our first. But we need to become a people of firsts who give up those things. And God will bless us infinitely more. We can't outgive God. Anytime we give God our first, he's going to give back infinitely more with a great measure that is shaken down running over that we can't even handle but first he wants us to develop the fact that we give him our first it's very important now 
The third thing that we need to give to God, we need to give him our trust, our firsts in everything in our life. And number three, we need to give him our heart. Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says this, the place where your treasure is, the place where you want to be and end up being, that's your heart. That's where your treasure is. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the heart is a very interesting thing. Your heart is what you love, what you value, what you're passionate about, what you care most about, what you end up dreaming about when your mind is on idle mode. And here's the thing about our hearts. Our heart is an idle factory. And if it's not filled with God, it will be filled with God's. Now, one important way you give Jesus your heart this Christmas is by giving your resources to the work that Jesus is doing. Here's the thing, friends. Jesus doesn't need your money, but he wants what it represents, your heart. So maybe you are a generous person, but you don't spend any time with Jesus. Jesus wants your time because it represents your heart. He wants your heart. He wants it completely. He wants it wholeheartedly. And until we give Jesus our entire heart, we're going to constantly try to fill it with things that are not going to matter or things that don't give us the pleasure and the happiness that we so desperately desire. Jesus wants our heart and it's an idol factor. And if it's not filled with God, it's going to be filled with God's. So Jesus, this Christmas, he wants your trust and it's voluntary. He's not going to force that upon you. He wants your firsts. Everything in your life must be centered around Jesus. Number three, he wants your heart. And number four, he wants your evangelism. We read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, that everyone who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus says. We read in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, when Jesus says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. He wants your evangelism. What do I mean by that? When we my when my wife were my, when my wife and I were in Paris about a week and a half ago when all the terrorist attacks were happening. It just so happened that the hotel in which we were staying at, multiple teams from CNN were actually also staying there with their camera crews. And when we went down for breakfast one day, we met a CNN anchor. And if I said her name, you guys would know exactly who who she is. And we met her and we talked to her. So we talked to her about the Paris attacks and how she's covering them and pretty much the situation that was going on in Paris. And I noticed a distinct thing about her. The one thing that she would not mention in any of her conversation, in any of the questions that we spoke to her, is her religious views. And later on, after reading a Wikipedia article about her, it basically states that there's a reason that she does not share her religious or political views because she cannot compromise her journalistic neutrality. So in other words, this news anchor, they proclaim 
news, whether good news or bad news, to millions of people. But however, all they can do is tell the news. They cannot report their own personal opinion or their own personal stance on any situation. In fact, there was even a reporter recently who I think got let go or fired from CNN because they tweeted a very personal opinion about everything that was going on during the terrorist attacks. Now, friends, I want to tell you this, that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't have journalistic neutrality. In fact, God calls us to take a firm stance, a concrete position. The Bible says either you're for Christ or against him. There is no middle ground. And so when you become a Christian, you are pledging allegiance to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, to Jesus. So in essence, God wants you to tell others about him. And so this Christmas season, people are significantly more open to hearing about Jesus. And we must not be people who remain neutral in the position of faith. We need to be bold in declaring that, yeah, we do love Jesus. We do acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We do pray to Jesus as God. We do believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. We do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We do believe that there is no other way to God other than through Jesus. We do believe that people who do not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will not be in heaven. We do believe that the Bible is the word of God. We do believe that the 66 books were written by men who were carried along with the Holy Spirit. We do believe in that truth and we firmly stand on that truth and we've banked our entire life on that truth. And so this Christmas season, Jesus wants our evangelism. He wants us to be bold in proclaiming that truth. We're not ashamed about it. We're not ashamed of the gospel. And this is why God, this Christmas, he wants a family more than anything else. He wants children who choose to love and trust him. That's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to earth to be with us. The Bible says we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and he dwelt among among us. He came in a human form. He came in flesh. He came as a human to save humans for himself by himself. So God wants a family. God wants us to be a part of his family. And that's the reason that we celebrate Christmas. So God wants your evangelism. God wants you to share the good news. And God doesn't want you to be a journalist that has journalistic neutrality. He wants you to tell somebody about Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas season, invite someone to Jesus this Christmas. Tell somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. And very often the Christmas season is a time when many people are more open to coming to church, to coming to a community group, to hearing about Jesus. So use this opportunity, leverage this opportunity. This is a gift that you can give to Jesus by expanding the family of Jesus. So you might be listening today and you might say, well, how does this change my life? 
The Bible tells us that the wise men didn't give Jesus their leftovers when they visited him on the first Christmas, but instead they gave three very significant and valuable gifts. The Bible says they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their gifts and they gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so what do you need to do today? As you give Jesus your trust, as you give Jesus your first, as you as you give Jesus your heart, and as you give Jesus your evangelism, you personally are giving him gifts that are far more valuable than the ones that the wise men brought. So during this Christmas season, as you get together with your family and as you celebrate the birth of Jesus, don't forget that even though God has given you many things, Jesus wants gifts from you and they are your trust, your firsts, your heart, and your evangelism. So together as a church, let us celebrate this Christmas season and let us give Jesus these gifts that are far more valuable than what the Magi could have ever given him. And let us do this for the glory of God and the joy of all people. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.